and he kind of scratched his head and said, if you're injured or tired or sore, you know, the beach is right there and you can just go, you know, jump in the water, get some of the salt water on you and then away you go, back to it. And that was so interesting to me. Welcome to the Waiting Game Podcast, a podcast where I attempt to bring more dialogue into the world of Olympic weightlifting and share my experiences and perspectives in the sport and resistance training in general. It was a perspective I wish was more accessible during my early years of training, so here is my attempt to bring that value to those who may be seeking it. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Waiting Game Podcast. I'm your one and only host. It's just me today, Brandon Wakeling. Olympian, and multiple-time representative of the Commonwealth Games. Now, in this episode, if you've read the title, which states how to win at weightlifting, I'm not going to lay out a step-by-step guide, you know, talking of things such as rest, recovery, glute activation, manifestation, and these cute things that will apparently get you to where you want to go. What I wanted to talk about in this episode in context on how to win at weightlifting, I wanted to speak on the willingness to suffer and actually work hard to improve. Plus, love it enough to where you then want to steer back into the suck for the long run. As I said in a recent Instagram post where I talked about weightlifting being about lifting heavy weights at the end of the day, and not some form of dance where it's all about pursuing some glorified hook grip slow motion video that you see on Instagram. Let me give you some eye-opening examples that I went through in my career in which opened up my perspective into how people actually did it, talking about training weightlifting and not being from within Australian weightlifting, of course. What I'll touch on first will go back to when I was in Turkmenistan in 2017, which was for the Asian Indoor Martial Arts Games. At this event in 2017, I believe it was in September, This was my first ever international event. I'd competed technically internationally with lifters coming to Australia, but I'd never been outside of the country to compete. And this was my first time. And Turkmenistan isn't one that you would typically visit. It's actually, I believe, a dictatorship country in which tourists are not typically allowed in. And for those that don't know where Turkmenistan is on the map, it's actually located in Asia, which borders on the likes of Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Afghanistan and Iran and most countries within this area here are big when it comes to Olympic weightlifting credentials and at this event it really opened my eyes to the worldview of Olympic weightlifting outside of Australia and what was humanly possible. Now of course I'm not that naive and I'm very very well aware of the doping situation in weightlifting but I won't touch on that in this episode particularly but when it comes to the training environment at this event there was an energy and approach to training from all of these other countries which was unlike home. It was very straightforward, it was heavy, and there was no bullshit. And many countries at these events will lift heavy basically up until the day in which they compete. So you wouldn't even necessarily be able to tell that they're on a taper week at all. They just continuously lift heavy up until competition, which is obviously one thing that's not common here in Australia. Alongside that, One thing that I saw that blew my mind was the training that was happening post-competition. Now for me at this event, I competed two weeks prior to this and I was really struggling to back it up two weeks in a row. 
and it had showed in my performance where I only went three for six at this competition, lifting a lot less than I did two weeks ago. And post-competition, I was essentially wrecked and didn't have any me to train after this event. And this is something that I thought was common practice in weightlifting, that when you compete, you typically have some time off. Now, the day after I competed, less than 24 hours later, I went along to the training hall to support the rest of the team, as there were still a few lifters that haven't lifted yet and needed a few training sessions before they competed. So I went along, thought I could just stretch and essentially just encourage the team. But what I saw when I got there was the Uzbekistani lifter that I just competed against less than 24 hours post-event back on the bar again. And he wasn't just back on the bar doing some active recovery work and stretching. He was going heavy the day after he competed, like nothing had happened. And with that, his demeanor had shown that this was nothing out of the ordinary for him, and this was just another day in the office. He wasn't going above and beyond training after competition, it looked like this is just what he's always done, which then made me rethink a lot of things and think about if I was going too easy on myself. Now, another scenario that had opened up my perspective, fast forward a couple of years to 2019, where I was invited to train at the Oceana Training Institute in New Caledonia. Unfortunately, this doesn't exist anymore post-COVID, but when it did, it was essentially all the island countries within Oceana had their best lifters all live together and train within this one facility, essentially full-time, so twice a day training, pretty much every day of the week. And when I got to training there with the team, it was another level of intensity that I had never experienced before. Now, at this camp, I was only there for a week, and prior to going, I had heard that they trained pretty hard, so I prepared accordingly. So I deloaded leading into this, I planned out my training for these double days every single day in which I was going to go heavy, which was essentially how they trained pretty much every day of the week. Now, once arriving, going to my first session of the week, I walked in, looked around, and saw everyone sitting around. So I went around, greeted everyone as you do, went, started stretching, rolling out as you do before you start training. Then Paul, who was the coach at the Institute, walked in with a piece of paper with a training session written down for his team, placed it on the table, everyone had a look. And when I say that everyone jumped up and got started, I mean one set on the empty bar and away they went. No warm-up, no stretching, it was straight into it. And an interesting thing at this camp, which I feel like was one of the biggest helps, was the atmosphere. Now, if you approached or picked up a bar and looked like you were about to do a set, you would have half the gym screaming at you, encouraging you for your set. And this went for everyone, all session. Now, it was essentially deafening, but as you can imagine, it helped a lot throughout the week. Alongside that, with all the noise and atmosphere, it didn't even give you a moment of introspection to even think, am I too warm to start training? Should I roll out a little bit more? Should I do this and that? It was essentially on the bar and away we went. And I ended up training really well throughout this entire week. And outside of that, I remember questioning the coach one day about the lifters that lived there and trained there full time on whether they had physiotherapy or sports massage or did any recovery work. And he kind of scratched his head and said, if you're injured or tired or sore, you know, the beach is right there and you can just go, you know, jump in the water, get some of the salt water on you and then away you go, back to it. And that was so interesting to me. It was a simple approach which didn't have any modern science or technology behind it and it produced results. Now with these particular eye-opening perspectives that I've received over the years from 
lifters that weren't brought up in Australia. These two being not the only examples that I have, but these ones definitely stood out to me. Alongside that, with personally having trained 11 sessions a week for a very long period of time, which probably doesn't align with the most ideal method to improve on paper, just as with the examples that I had given, but I feel that there were important commonalities within all of these situations that I've experienced in which you need to be able to improve in weightlifting, putting all the cute stuff aside. The first one essentially being consistency and being able to delay gratification for a long period of time. Now, all of these people that I've met over the years at a high plus the highest level of competition all have one thing in common in which they've had a goal and a certain way in which they've trained and they did it for a very long period of time and continue to do so, which really boils down to at the end of the day, we're in an age where people want nice things and they want them right now. And unfortunately, it is not going to work in weightlifting. One of those lifters that lived and trained at the Oceana Training Institute has now been to five Olympic Games in a row. And that Uzbekistani lifter that I said jumped straight back on the horse straight after competition to get back into training. Five years after that event, he finally had won his first world championships. Which just goes to show that some people may not train that you think is ideal on paper, or you don't believe that people can train in a certain way, people can train in a variety of ways and can show results. The main thing is you make sure you stay on course, you enjoy the hard times, as they will one day pay off after delaying that gratification for long enough. Now with that, thank you all for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate those who do listen, and I will see you all next week once again with another fresh episode. Talk to you then. As always, I will see you guys all next week for another new fresh episode of the podcast. Talk to you then.